everyone, welcome to episode two of The Mailbag with me, uh, Scott Fraser. I'm joined by my usual guest for The Mailbag, uh, Tom Kelly. Tom, how are you doing? Doing very well. Hello, everyone. Um, yep, I assume you said hello back. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they, they can't hear you. Um, no, look, uh, it's, it's the, the final uh, waning hours of, of daylight with uh, GAMSAT 2019, so... Yeah. Uh, the mailbag is is very much full, uh, and I'm sure everyone will be able to resonate with a lot of the questions that are being asked in in this particular um, mailbag. And it covers everything, uh, literally all sections, yep. even beyond the gamset mm. at this point in time. Everything else, life management, uh, all of those things. So uh, we might go chronologically. Uh, so yep. I might start with um, with section two. That was a trick question. Um, <laughs> So I think one of the big things uh, that's coming through is writer's block uh, when people are getting into the, whether it's the ASA material or any other material that they're using to prep for section two. How do you get around writer's block when you, when you start writing an essay? Yeah, this is a really good question. So uh, I think there are different ways to approach it. My ad- advice is usually to have some sort of pre-scripted or ordained structure that you might want to start with. Um, So it doesn't have to be the same exact words for every single essay, but let's say there's, I don't know, five to 10 different sort of structures that you, you could do. Um, And, you know, whether that's a reflective essay, argumentative person, whatever it is. Um, So whatever style of essay that you write, you should think about what kind of introduction you would like to write for that style of essay. So, for instance, a story, it might make sense to set up the kind of rules of the story, maybe write a sentence about how it relates to the theme, what you're trying to achieve with the story. And if you sort of have like a, it's sort of a vague guide, like step one, I'm going to um, introduce myself as a storyteller. Step two, I'm going to link that to the theme. Step three, I'm going to talk about how the story is going to demonstrate some insight. Uh, Or if it's an argumentative piece, um, step one, define the topic in my own way. You know, art is anything that expresses meaning beyond itself or something. And then second one is to link that to a central thesis. So what I'm actually saying about art in this essay. And then the next three sentences might be your arguments or um, things that you're going to talk about in the essay to try and prove your thesis. So it's kind of the way that we all introduce anything really. Um, you know, you, you bring up your topic, you talk through the three things and then you finish on an overall sort of statement, summing it all up. Uh, but if you spend time, maybe half an hour, an hour, actually writing out these little plans in mm-hmm. a sort of vague way, I think it's helpful. Um, otherwise, uh, it's, it is challenging. I think taking some time to plan as well should help alleviate some of the writer's block. Yeah. Um, but that would be my main advice. And so that's, that's in the time sort of leading up in this week. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I definitely agree with that. I think one one other thing to consider is one of the potential sort of very deep causes of writer's block is that when we do plan and when we do practice, we only practice for sort of one way or one yeah one side of of the coin if it's an argumentative type thing. But to add to that, I, I would say consider what the the opposite is. Because oftentimes writer's block comes from the, the the core reason that we actually have too much 
to, to utilize. Yeah, yeah. And so we don't know which, which things we want to use. So if you're in a situation where um, you, you've got a topic, maybe don't just plan for one essay, plan for a bunch off the back of the same set of prompts or the same theme. Um, and as a result, then hopefully when you go in on the day, you've got a couple of different paths that you've kind of already walked down rather than going, I don't. Yeah. Like yeah, it shouldn't be the, my one path. It should be the first time you're creating this essay or narrative in a brand new way. I mean, it might be, but yep. um, it's pretty likely that you'll have written something remotely similar at some point. And so yep. having a sense of what your intros look like or what those idea structures look like should help you get started. I think. Does that vary depending on what sort of a, a writer you are for section two, because that kind of feeds into a lot of the other questions we've been getting around yeah. section two style. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, definitely. So um, talking about styles. So I guess, yeah, different styles um, necessitate sort of different plans. So yep. uh, whether that's um, like a more personal essay um, I don't know. For, for me, actually, I would say the introductions always serve roughly the same purpose. I think uh, at time, like always, you need to define what you what you think the topic is about in a really explicit way. I think that's actually quite good to like just sort of name check like what this what this essay is about. So if it's art, say art and essay. Don't like sort of talk around about it, and then at the end of the intro, you mention it once. Like it really should be early and clear what you're talking about. Yep. Um, whether it's introducing characters in a story, if it's personal, introducing yourself and how this is relevant, if it's expository, exposing different points of view, it's argumentative, sort of setting the stage for the debate, whatever it is, ultimately the intro still serves a similar purpose. Um, and for me, that's sort of one, defining, two, uh, linking it to the theme in your thesis, and then three, sort of telling me what you're going to write about. Mm -hmm. um, because some of the essays in the mock exams as well um, – so we read lots and lots of essays and often they like particularly personal reflective task B essays. Yeah. People sort of forget to do the intro. They just sort of launch into the story. Yeah. Um, and then it's usually like a retroactive thing where they try and like make it relevant at the end. Yeah. Um, which seems more rushed and does doesn't, this doesn't, it's, it just ends up being less powerful than, than something that starts with, this is what I'm writing about. This is why it's important and writing the story and then concluding saying similar things um it just seems more controlled if that makes sense yeah no it completely does and i think that's probably the style area where people are going to struggle a little bit more because in the expository essays and the creative essays um you know it, it, you need to be yeah. clearer quicker to to be able to make use of the creative skill that you have and it kind of lends itself to waffling on and yeah. um, losing yeah. structure and meaning Yep. Um, and especially the people that are trying to kind of like flex on everyone with their words and even the creativity of the story, like it can be good. Um, but the risk is that it sort of loses purpose. So you can, you know, you can write the most, uh, interesting sort of play you yeah. want or whatever it is. But, uh, again, if it doesn't have strong intro, it doesn't have clear purpose vision, it's just going to sort of fizzle out a little bit. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I, I think there's, there's that risk there, but also an opportunity with the expository or even particularly the creative style of writing that the the reader will naturally ask, well, why am I here? 
And if you can't answer that question, you're not getting out of the 50s. Yeah. Uh, and in fact, you're going to be, sure. you should be lucky to be in the 50s for that essay at least. Uh, however, if you can answer that question and answer it well, then you almost clear the 60s by default. Yeah, exactly. So, no, yeah. I agree. I think, um, yeah, it's kind of, it's like wielding a dangerous weapon sort of, you know. Yeah. Most of the time people end up hurting themselves. <laughs> <laughs> Nunchucks guy off a current affair. <laughs> exactly. But, but occasionally it, it can pay off. Um, I'd say it's often, it's often a really, even in this short period that you have, it's a good uh, thing to add in to sort of push it over the top. So if you're explaining an example, bringing some sort of narrative elements can be a really good way to explain why an example is pertinent and powerful, um, especially in personal stories and things like that, rather than talking from like an observer. So if you're narrating the scene, you're always sort of separated from it. Mm -hmm. I used to like writing sort of really descriptively, um, you know, trying my, um, I was going to say Charles Darwin. No, that's, He's an author of sorts. Uh, Dickens? <laughs> Dickens, yes. Mm. Um, but it, regardless, uh, creative can be useful. But we do know from our stats that creative does have a sort of ceiling um, in the 70s, yep. whereas the students that get that 80 plus, um, or, you know, our highest scores always seem to write the expository, high-level ideas, style essays, but they still have really interesting examples as well, so... Because it depends where you're, where you're at. Ultimately, um, if you're struggling to get any complexity in essays, then maybe writing a little story yep. that's well contained could be useful. Rapid fire gut feeling, task A on Saturday. What do you think for the theme? It's a good question. Uh, why don't we go with? Because there hasn't been any repeats ever, as far ever. as I'm aware. I mean, I don't know forever. I know, I know that this goes back to the nineties. Sure. Um, let's say what do we essence? Maybe that's a task B. That's a task B. Okay. Okay. So task B is essence. Um, my, Uh, my task B is, I feel like we're, I feel like we're due for, for art versus science. Or just just art. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I think. Yeah, why don't we go with news or something topical for task A? Yeah, task A. I was either going to go for uh, freedom. Yeah. Or I was going to go for meritocracy. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I remember that. That was on one of um, my sets. Yeah. Why don't yeah. we do like news or freedom of speech or something? Yeah, I feel like freedom of speech is couldn't be more pertinent right now. Yeah. Knowing though that they probably like. Section two booklets are in in the box as they were and already yeah. delivered to the various centres, um, but uh, yeah, I still feel like freedom of speech and meritocracy are, are pertinent issues at this juncture. Yeah. So regardless, yep. those kind of uh, topics are good structures to talk about most things anyway. Yeah, um, yeah. The reason I said essence is because um, they're like essence is a really interesting topic in general. You know, you can. I don't want to go into our um, section two podcast, but uh, yeah, yeah. You, you can talk about sort of um, how you boil down things, even that sort of relevant to news, you know, is news the essence of what happened or is it a falsehood of what happened or yeah. um, what things are necessary for an object to be itself? Is that the essence? You know, if I read the story, do I get the whole um, or is is it just something that adds to the whole, i.e. coffee beans are necess- necessary for coffee to exist? Yep. But 
is milk. I mean, you can have it with. I mean, obviously, the hipster, I would say it's categorically not. Um, <laughs> and you're just ruining the coffee, but yeah. sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Milk disgrace. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Maybe that's a great example. Yeah. Um, yeah essence is an interesting one. Uh, I, f- I still feel like as well, there's, there's a lot of room for like uh, AI and, and like technology, uh, and particularly in the, in the realms of capitalism. So I'm not sure. Uh, did you watch Four Corners last night? They spoke about Uber. Cool. What Uber's I, next thing is going to be like Uber Flight. I have, yeah, I, yeah. yeah. I know about that. Yeah, the yeah. Uh, like building to building sort of. Um, oh, I used to know the acronym, but it's like it's like a spaceport. Type basically, thing. it's like a drone. It's a drone. Yeah, yeah, drone taxis that just flies you. Yeah, yeah. And whilst it's ridiculous, it's also not because like no planes fly that low anyway, and. Everything's like totally free up there. Like it should be less chance of accident. Yeah. And especially in really high traffic dense areas, you can go like what would take half an hour. You might, it might be like a three minute flight or something. Yeah. So even though yeah. the cost of the fl- flying apparatus is more expensive, overall it'd probably still be cheaper than your Uber X. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, you need an Uber Lyft style model, but yeah. Yeah. Very cool. And like the replacement of, um, jobs with artificial intelligence and what the i guess the impact will be for the average joke is a lot of the sort of um middle of the line work and traditionally sort of blue collar jobs are things that are really amenable to automation and so what mm. happens to that income how do we supplement you know 50 percent of the population when they no longer have jobs whether that's truck drivers or like there's any number of jobs that may disappear you feel like the services industry will grow like that's true yeah. Not to not to make this into the section two podcast, but um, yeah, like manufacturing or what have you might might drop, but uh, raw services, other things, yeah, yeah, could grow. Kind of like um, Charlie in the chocolate factory, he could uh, get a job fixing the machine. Yeah, yeah. Use that for your essays. Don't, cleaning, but cleaning the ceiling. <laughs> um, okay, cool. No, I, I thought that that was a that's a question that like I think every tutorial right now is like section one, two, or three. Yeah. What do you think section two will be? So we've answered that. Now you know. Or, or what what we think. Um, so at, at this point in time for section one, I think a lot of people are at a bit of a juncture where they're at their, as you would call it, their asymptote. Um, how do you, especially in the last week, push through the asymptote or push through the ceiling knowing that a couple of marks here or there can, can actually be quite impactful? Other good questions. So the first thing for section one is it is really challenging. Um, I know there'll be a spectrum of listeners. So some people will uh, have some experience and have done lots of questions. Other students won't have done as many questions going into or listening to this. Um, I think the one thing that I can pull out of all the sessions, I don't know, I somehow end up being the section one um, specialist around this time, um, is usually just... Finding like words and connotations and lines and evidence for every answer that you choose. I know that sounds self-evident, like it sounds obvious, you know, obviously I find lines, duh, like blah, blah, blah. But in actual fact, most students don't. So when you read, um, for instance, in one of our mock exams, there was a play and if you read the play and like imagine the situation, it's kind of easy to convince yourself of pretty much every answer. Yeah. 
especially because if, when you're answering, you it's sort of like a feeling that you get when you're picking. Are you like imagining yourself in the play type of thing? Exactly, yeah. Um, and by nest, by sort of um, by design, plays are very much about the situation and the interaction between characters. And so it's quite challenging to kind of work out what emotions are going on and what things are happening. Yeah. Uh, and so the answers that were most often chosen by students were always the ones that were kind of like the most sympathetic to the situation. Yeah. Um, yeah. Rather than what was actually written. Uh, and it's a really easy thing to make a mistake on. So an example would be um, another different question. There was a set of comments. And I was, I was split between two answers when I was teaching and I wasn't sure what the right one was. Yep. But in one of the comments, the word vigil was in there. So V-I-G-I-L, vigil, like a sort of um, area of uh, praying or worship or like sort of set up something to represent something else. Yep. Um, and in one of the answers, they had used the word emancipated and it was like roughly synonymous with another answer. Yeah. Um, and like there are some similar sort of religious or worship con- connotations between emancipated and vigil. Like it's there's some relationship there. And so yep. even though I was split between the two and maybe I don't know exactly like what the word emancipated means, like, you know, in Webster or the definition, yep. I just felt like on balance, like that's a good match. Pick that answer. Yeah. Yep. Um, whereas the student I was tutoring was just like, oh, I just, like I just guess one. Um, mm. And... I don't know, like I, I do think that spending time, so whether that's going back through the questions you've already done yeah. um, or just as a rule setting up sort of a standardized process going forwards, when you pick your answer, find words that match the connotations in your answer um, and make sure you have lines that you can point to or sort of structural things about the passage that say, okay, this question, is, this answer is right. Yeah, yeah. Um, there was a poem in um, uh, Mock 1, in section one, uh, and it was about uh, a funeral. It was it was it was interesting. It was like quite a melancholy poem, and one of the questions asked about the relationship between two characters, um, and th- they gave options for for who this particular character was with respect to the father, and one of the options was you know, the town priest. It was it was kind of like because he was there and because he was named. And you know you were dealing with death. It was one of those things where, like I said, if you're if you're kind of trying to imagine being in that house, what it yeah. would have looked like, etc. It's like, well, maybe Big Jim is actually Big Father Jim or, or Father Big Jim, um, and, and as a result, that's why he's there. But there literally was no reason other than if you've created that in your mind as to why he would have been a priest. Otherwise, a friend of the family made sense type of thing, right? So it, it, I think that's that's one thing in section one that you've got to be careful of is that you're utilising what's there and you're not constructing something yourself. Or I think back to, to times when I've sat the exam and stuffed questions up and it's more like I've utilised outside experience to bias my in-question interpretation. Yeah. And, it's, and it's always going to be dealing in the grey. Like it's always going to be – one is going to be 90% – right and another one's going to be 100 percent right because it's an interpretation it's there are varying degrees of way or ways to interpret it but there's still sort of like a a common denominator or like a main way to interpret um and yeah i think the easiest way to sort of ensure that you're doing that regularly is just to avoid yeah what you said like 
building a sort of narrative. Like if you're making steps away from what's there, you can't find words or lines that match. Yeah. That's a problem. Um, and secondly, um, finding lines or connotations that match between your answer or the opposite, looking at the answer and saying, is this too sort of strong is what people say, but sometimes things are just too definitive. Like something would be destroyed always. Like those kind of words are very strong. So it should be really evident in the passage if that was the right answer. Yeah. Um, and it's often like you sort of tempt you when you're faced with these two options, you can sort of, Oh yeah, he, he believed in like this being destroyed. Yeah. You can always tell yourself that, but if it's not, my goodness, someone's got mad bass driving past. <laughs> Where the party's at. Anyway, the, the short answer is that basically um, make sure that you find lines, I think. Um, avoid o- overly strong answers and try and match connotations between the lines and what you're reading. Uh, the other last thing I would say is focus on tar- like targeting text types. So doing yeah. loss of section one doesn't make any sense. No. But say spending some, say, two hours of your time just working on cartoons, like you might get paid off two marks or something. But if there's something you always get wrong, maybe it's worth your time. Maybe poetry is worth your time, you know. Yeah. There's usually one or two poems on the whole paper. But if you're usually getting every single question wrong, then maybe it's worth spending some time looking at some other poems, practicing that skill. Um, Because they're the things that are tangible. Yeah. But sort of like to work on narratives, that's a really broad category. It's really hard to just suddenly click your fingers and you're going to get the character relationships far better than before. Um, So whatever it is, looking at your previous performance and focusing on the sections that you do worst in, probably the best. Now that's a key contrast point because a lot of people right now are just trying to do reps I don't know why the analogy of going to the gym is, is a really bad analogy for GAMSAT because there's, there's nothing associated with going to the gym that has to do with learning from mistakes. It, it's literally just the more I repeat this, the bigger I get type of thing or the, the fitter I get. Yeah. And, and that's not true for an education process. So that type of, well, I'll, I'll just crush a hundred questions a day. If you've got no focus in that process, it can actually be detrimental. Like you could just be getting further and further into the quicksand. Um, the advantage is if you if you know an area, like you said, if you're getting zero out of 10 on poetry, actually becoming average is, is all you should really attain towards because getting five out of 10, five more mark improve uh, is easy to do in an area where you're completely useless than an area where you're already maybe at 80%. Um, so yeah, from an opportunity standpoint, that does need to be thought about. And, and equally, when you're going back through those questions, critically reflecting on them and thinking about, well, next time if I'm in a similar situation, how do I need to think about these different options? Like, well, how do I switch off that other thinking and switch on a more appropriate style of thinking? Yeah, and a, a small plug, if you want to see sort of an example of how we break down our mock exams and the different categories we use, um, you look at the phrases games at Facebook page, there's a mock exam report somewhere along the stream of posts. Um, you don't have to sign up or anything. You just click on it and you can see how we break down our section one and section three, because I think like you can choose your own categories. There's no yep. rules. It's all kind of arbitrary. Um, but we try to think through, you know, whether that's technical texts or poetry, cartoons, like these things are things that you can focus on um, yep. if you spend time. But yeah. You have to choose for yourself what, what 
context area you think would be useful in the next sort of few days? Yeah. Because I think one of the, the other things that people forget about being at their asymptote is they've actually got something that is reliable, which is one of the big challenges working with the GAMSAT is that, that you feel like you don't have an anchor point. But if you're consistently getting 45 out of 75 and that's your frustration, the other way to flip that is that you can consistently get 45 out of 75. Yeah. The thing that you actually need to think about is how do I then have a plan for my other 30 marks and and trying to get some fraction of them knowing that I can rely on 45. Like that, yeah. it, it's actually not as bad as what you think. It's more about re-understanding the, yeah. the paradigm. Sort of optimizing your strategy and, and knowing which ones you're getting correct. I think that's like the liberating bit. If you can try and work out what your tendencies are and work out where your weaknesses are, it sort yep. of like liberates you to try different strategies on the ones you get wrong. Correct, correct. All right. In the interest of time, next question. Well, yeah, I guess the same thing, but for section three, um, how do you, and if we want to talk about like sections where people just want to smash questions in the last week, how do you, how do you maximize the last week for section three? Yeah. So section three is probably a little bit more complicated. Um, so when I sort of stratify it, so I've, I've just, I'd split it into sort of a couple of groups. Um, I'd say students who are, no theory sound um so they you know most of the questions you're getting wrong is because something to do with like a, some trickery in the question not interpreting the graph correctly getting the data wrong etc but if you were given an organic chemistry reaction from university level you'd be able to do it so yeah. there is that group group of students um and all the tips for this group of students is also useful for any group of students so for those students i think what is ultimately going to kind of beat you on Saturday potentially will be the graphs and data and the amount of interpretation that you're going to have to do and the amount of abstraction away from what you already know yeah. um, on the actual test because that's what people find hard and that's what I've had lots and lots of emails about um, in the last week. Uh, there, There's no cheat code. So if there was a golden bullet, I would tell you. Um, but the one thing that I would say is, and I've noticed consistently in my tutoring sessions is that um, people are very, they have like no standardized process for the way they go about looking at graphs and tables and yeah. even just approaching questions in general. Yeah. So, so when I look at a question and this is all the way back to my first year, I would always have some sort of thing that I would do. And so for graphs, I nearly always circle the units because that's like, there's always going to be one or two marks in a whole paper. Like there's yeah. always going to be some tricks with units. Um, yeah. So I would just circle the units on the graph. Then I would usually just quickly scan the passage to see if there's any units in the passage and then circle them as well. Because if they're different, then that's going to be meaningful at some point. Yeah, yeah. Um, lines. So looking at the lines on the axes and often there'll be multiple lines and multiple axes. So working out at the start before looking at the questions, which lines are for which axes or can they be read on both? Yeah. Just as a step thinking about that. Yeah. Thinking about what the area under the graph of the line would be, so like what like what may that represent just mm-hmm. conceptually? Um, what would the gradient represent conceptually? Um, if there are multiple lines, how are these things related? How could I possibly be reading these things? Yeah. Um, or you know, if I'm given a I don't know an organism of this weight, what 
does that mean on the other line? Just as I'm looking at thinking about how these relationships are going to work. And then obviously reading the figure legend is something that you always have to do as like a rule, looking at the actual scale of the axes. So sometimes it'll be a log scale um, or some other weird, weirdery. Yeah. Um, and then thinking about sort of maybe what relationship. So is it exponential, linear, logarithmic, whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it sounds like it's going to take a long time to do those things, but it's not really. Um, and if you're actively thinking through that process, I do think you will save yourself two or three marks. I, I had a baseline. Yeah. Um, Shout out to one of our tutors, Arjun, because he has a theory around that, that, that kind of has a similar stratified nature, but it's more like he calls it putting on a different hat for a different sort of question area or style. So yeah, it's about having a process and a plan for a given area. And so, you know, you get to your graphical question, you put on your graphical hat and like all those things you said, you know that that's what you're going to do because that's, that's what that question dictates. Yeah, that's your plan. Yeah, yeah. But you don't use the maths question plan for that. Like you don't go, oh, I'm just going to look for multiplication factors or syntaxes between different numerical options. Um, yeah. Okay. So, so I think that's, that's pretty solid uh, advice. So that's for one archetype. What about other yeah. archetypes? Yeah. So the other archetype are the group of students, maybe non-science background or science students that have been studying and revising theory. Um, maybe people have sat the games out a few times. So yeah. Um, what I'm imagining is there is a group of students who could spend their time doing GAMSAT style questions or could spend their time studying some concepts at a sort of more basic level. Yeah. Um, maybe that's like the Henderson-Hasselbach equation. That was a good um, example of an email, you know, should I memorize these things? Um, now, it's, it, is, it is complicated. I don't necessarily think there's any right or wrong answer because if you do GAMSAT questions and then you study the theory based on them, it's sort of... Um, it's sort of like a bit of a scattergun approach. It's sort of you're just going to be studying whatever theory. It's not going to be necessarily targeted to what's most high yield. It's just going to be you're going to study yeah. what you don't know. Correct. Um, so I think it would be worth spending maybe half an hour to an hour thinking about maybe look downloading our topic book if you didn't get a copy of our must class or whatever and looking at the topics and deciding what things are going to be highest yield. So you don't have yeah. to actually do the questions. You can flick through ACER papers and have a look at like what kind of concepts are coming up regularly and what kind of concepts are you not able to engage with because the theory is you just don't understand. Um, yeah. For me, this is my personal opinion, I would just avoid physics. If you have no strength in physics and it's two days away and you haven't done any study yet, then it's going to be a challenge to pick up some concepts and be ready to wield them by Saturday. Yeah. Only one that maybe is worth doing is talks. I think it's kind of easy to understand. By you. Yeah. Um, often comes up around joints and things like that. Maybe light and optics and lenses and things like they're, they're pretty controlled, contained topics to learn. Um, talks is a bit, a little bit more challenging though. So I don't know. I think at this point though, if you're in that archetype, you almost need to be, in fact, if you're in any archetype, you need to, you need to be on the point, be beyond the point. Sorry, of starting concepts from from scratch. Yeah. If you're starting from scratch at this point, like it's too late, you're done. I'm being sympathetic. <laughs> that's, that's kind. I would actually look at it more like if physics is a good example. Like physics questions, I would then look at them stylistically. So if you're going to get a question about lenses, it's going to be a lens formula, or it's going to be a magnification formula. Um. 
And I'd look at what questions are like purely mathematical and just approach them with, can I multiply things through? Yeah, exactly. And then stuff that's conceptual, if you don't get it, that's fine. But at least you can get, if your maths is sound, you can do it that way. Equally though, because people in that archetype often are bad at maths or relativistically bad at maths. Um, if your concepts are strong, just answer the conceptual questions and, and try to get to the closest that you can with the maths. Uh, and a good way to do that in this last week is by effectively just doing um, you know, rapid fire concepts. If you're in a study group, like you've got 30 seconds or one minute to explain a concept in its most simple form or, or concept sprints because you, know, you should be able to conceptualize all of the relative physics by now in like an hour for the game set. I think so, like, yeah. At, at just a base level. I think that's a nice idea. Um, the reason I like that idea is because... Keeps you fresh too. Yeah, and like we did a similar thing. Oh, I used to do a similar thing when I was studying med. You know, you have lots of concepts. Um, yeah. But it's like, how does a kidney work? Well, it's like, mm, uh, it's really complicated. Um, <laughs> but like, it's sort of like a pool filter, water rushes around, like the glomerulus, you know, you've got like your sort of urine collecting bit and the blood sort of rushes around there in these capillaries and some fluid rushes out. And then along the channel, you mostly reabsorb salts, water and all the important stuff. And then some stuff happens to the salts, blah. Yeah. Like that's, that's enough. Um, yeah. It's not enough to get you guaranteed marks if renal physiology pops up, but it is enough to read the rules that they set up for you in a new question. And yeah. Like if I'm given a graph with some weird bird that has different kidneys that I don't know how work and they've got some graph and data and whatever, I could still probably just at a surface level um, start understanding how it works in this scenario. Yeah. Um, and physics is similar as well. You know, why do lens, why do light rays um, bounce in a certain way? They refract to the light, blah, blah, blah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's a good, good, sort of method to go through some concepts even on the topic book or whatever with your friends and sort of switch through them and um, sort of try to get some brief familiarity. Yeah. And then sort of back to what we said on a previous mailbag episode about building that holistic strategy. Um, yeah. That, yeah. I think that'd be really important. Yeah. And you're, you're covering a, a large breadth with low effort and it kind of reminds you that you've probably got your finger on at least 90% of the pulse doesn't mean that you you know what the disease is, but you you got a rough idea. I think the other thing that that come that's been coming up in the the mailbag, and and I guess we're we're not asking specific questions because a lot of this stuff is so high volume at the moment. But it's also something that I think there should probably be more mail on is just how to manage stress and anxiety at this point in time. Um, you know. The analogy for me is like imagine that um, uh, who's the who's the gun sprint? Usain Bolt was like a nervous wreck going into <laughs> a race. Yeah, he wouldn't run nine fives yeah. as a nervous wreck. He is anxious though, and I think that's that's the difference is that people people think he walks up there just cool, calm, and collected. ease. look at him; he's moving, he's doing stuff. He's like utilizing his his nervous tension, but he's not stressed paralyzed not falling apart yeah. yeah how does that like is that example useful in the context of the gamsat or do you have some other thoughts around how to manage stress and anxiety yeah so uh just 
just published the uh, a small sort of ten minute video. Um, oh, for, no, it's not for everyone. It's just for our students. Um, oh. <laughs> but to- talking all about this. Um, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. It's so it's really important to take to take care of yourself, like at all times. Um, yeah. You know, this is I I usually start by rationalizing the situation, even though I know that anxiety and stress is not a rational thing. Mm. Um, I still think. Uh, it helps to think it through in a sort of rational way. Um, you know, you're in, let's say you're in your third year, you've sat it a couple of times. This is the last time, quote unquote, last you can sit this year and for the correct application. So you don't have a year off or something, you know, you don't have a break. Um, I think, you know, there's a risk there that you start building it up. You know, this is my last chance. It's the only time I can sit it. I'm going to disappoint everyone. I saw some posts on some of the GAMSAT Facebook groups that, you know, some people have told their parents that they've already got the score they need and they, you know, whatever, go and play a sport with their friends on this Saturday. Um, I think it was a meme. It was kind of funny. But the point is that people build this up for a you know, number of reasons. And I think that's okay. But you need to rationalize like what happens if this doesn't go well? Like what's the worst case? It's always a good test to do in life. Like what is the worst case outcome? Worst mm-hmm. case, let's say you get a horrible score, it's not what you need and you, you don't apply, you're unsuccessful, what happens next year? For a lot of students, that means maybe doing an honors year, which I spoke at length in the podcast with Zorn about how that's a really powerful and useful thing, um, yeah. both for your medical career and also just in life in general, understanding how research works is going to be useful. Graphical questions on the game set. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, but let's say you don't even do that. Let's just say you take a year off. You know, like, what do you really lose? Um, I would argue nothing. Uh, I can speak from experience having taking, taking a year off this year um, from, you know, like the medical treadmill. And I'm not an intern this year. Um, so, you know, there's, there's no risk really. Um, you can always sit it again. All this work that you've put in now will still be useful for these next sits. Um, it's all a process. And if the reasons why you're doing medicine are really true and core and they're truly motivating, then it, it doesn't and it won't matter in the long run. Like this, Correct. it'll still work out. Yeah. Um, so that sort of goes without saying. The second thing is that, um, yeah, that nervous energy is a good thing. Um, you know, if Definitely you don't feel useful. anything, it's a bit weird. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. You, sh- you should be nervous. Um, you know, I like sporting analogies because I play a lot of sport. Uh, I like to think of myself as being clutch on tests and, you know, in, in games as well. Um, and and I, th- I think it, it comes from practice. So if you practice something over and over and over again, that's why we do so many mock exams with our students and you can replicate this in your own question study or essays or whatever, Um it's sort of like, you know, the process, like I know how to shoot my shot. You know, I've shot it so many times. I know, I know how to do this. I have a strategy. It is what it is. Like I, I'm, I know what this game looks like. That's, that's I like, I can do this. So when I'm put in the moment where the pressure's on, you know, knees weak, arms are heavy, um, yep. nervous already. Anyway, so basically you know what to do and you need to be sort of calmly confident and channel this nervousness into like, I have a strategy, I'm going to implement it. Sort of like focusing your energy and you end up performing better in the moment than if you're sort of going in numb, sort of like, I don't care, whatever, this doesn't mean anything to me. Like that's a sort of worse situation. Yeah. Um, and people with anxiety catastrophize, um, 
they yeah build up narratives you know it's like claustrophobia you know like i'll never get out of this elevator ever it's i'm gonna be trapped in here for the rest of my life i know it's not rational but doing things like um using headspace.com i really like headspace great utility Um, you can meditate once a day it's free in like most iterations um even for the next few days i know it helps you like sort of be mindful of your own feelings, sort of separate yourself. It's, that's the basis of cognitive behavioral therapy, CBT. Yep. So you think about the way that your body is or your mind is reacting to stimuli rather than screaming at your partner. You take a second to think about what you're about to do and it helps you sort of abstract away and realize it's not sensible to yell, yell at this person I love. I'm yep. not actually angry at them because of this reason. I'm just... I'm just reacting to, you know, that they haven't taken the bins out or whatever. Yeah. And my reaction doesn't really meet the stimulus. This is the same thing here, yeah, right? Yeah, categorically the same thing. Um, it's a test. You can sit it multiple times. You have the muscle memory. You've done this lots of times. Channel energy in a positive way. Um, and just because you can't, like you don't immediately, immediately know exactly what the questions are asking or just because it seems like a daunting question, Equally, the, the, the match stimulus isn't because, you know, you shouldn't be going down this path or because you're deficient or because you're stupid or any of those other things. That, that is, as you said, that's just catastrophizing. Um, and, and to use your analogy of Clutch, um, because I strongly disliked him as a player, but um, I'm loving him more and more now. Like, people that practice to be Clutch also are quite okay with the idea that you won't get it in every time. And Kobe was the man for that. And that, it's funny, my, my wife said to me, she played me this, this new song by uh, Lekele 47. And the line says, I had to work like Kobe just to shine like Russell. <laughs> she didn't know what it meant. Yeah. And for me, like that, that's the perfect cliche there because no one worked harder than Kobe, not even Jordan. Mm. Um, but the, the ultimate winner is, is Russell. Yeah. Kobe didn't get as many rings, but... He, he didn't leave anything to chance and he wouldn't have doubted himself in the moment, even though you know, the reality is like it could bounce in, it could bounce out. Yeah. But you've got to, at least you've put yourself in the position to be able to take the shot. All right. So. Yeah, exactly. Like that's. Don't panic. Yeah. And so I think I, I've counted. So there have been three times in my life playing basketball where I've shot a shot to win a game. I made two. Really? So 66%. Um, one was a layup. One was a three-point jump shot. Um, wow. With a hand in my face. Anyway, I don't have a video. but um, <laughs> um, That's for another point. In, in any case, um, when I went through that process and when I, even when I sat the game sat, it was all this, it's all like the same thing. It's, it's this, like I've shot this shot many times. Like I've been in this situation. I'm going to do the same thing that I always do. Yeah, it means more, sure. But like... It doesn't change what I do. I yep. have an established strategy. I'm just going to do it. Yeah. And if it goes in, it goes in. But Correct. if I miss, I miss knowing that I practice as much as I could and on to the next shot. Yeah. And um, was that layup the same as the other layups? Yeah, it was. Not really. No, not it really. Was, I was super stressed. You know, I yeah. like yeah, <laughs> the yeah. pressure on me. Um, the t- you're, you're more tense. You're yeah. likely to under or overshoot it. Um but, but the point is the analogy there when you talk about like you, you've done lots of reps, it's not about doing it exactly the same. It's just that, you know, there's similarity there. And I think when it comes to GAMSAT questions, that's why everyone wants to do the reps. They think they're going to get the same question. It's more like that's why you're yeah, looking for the yeah. hallmarks, the like signposts. The situation. Yeah. yeah, the archetypes of something that you've done before. 
The rest is is you and you're going to manage that. Um, but all you need is like a small piece of archetype or something yeah. to be able to... Yeah, it's not going to be exactly the same, no. but it's going to be similar enough. Yeah, correct. Um, yeah. But I like the idea of Headspace as well. I think that's good. It's not a bad... Even at this late stage, if you haven't been using it, once a day, just center yourself. It yeah. could be the perfect thing to be doing. It only takes 10 minutes. Yeah. Um, it feels longer as well because it's like it's probably the only time it does, doesn't it? just focusing on one thing yeah. and not a bunch of others. Um, if you're one of those, you know, CEO, life hacker types, most um, high, most of them, most high-performing people meditate in some capacity or have some sort of reflective time. So, look, I, I, I don't know. I stand by it and I think it, would, it can only help. Um, Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So, look, the key takeaways are channel your stress in, in a positive way. Think about using something like headspace.com. Yeah. Um, don't catastrophize. Know that you can always sit it again. There's no, you know, there's no end to the, um, to the journey and your motivations are true that you'll keep working at it. Um, yeah. And if you're really struggling, don't hesitate to reach out. You can always email the pod at either tom at phrasesgamsat.com.au or scott at phrasesgamsat.com.au. Indeed, we're, indeed. We're pretty good. Um, we'll get back to you. Correct. Uh, and so, yeah, look, with that, uh, I, I think collectively from the pod for now, at least for, for this Gamsat season, uh, we wish everyone listening all the very best. Um, yeah, good luck. Good luck. Have faith in everything that you've done to this point and uh, yeah, leave it all out there on the day. Yeah, um, and we fully intend to have a debrief. Oh, there'll be a debrief session for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, maybe we'll live stream it or something. But yeah, oh, that'd be like we would we would love to just be smashed with questions in real time. Yeah, that that'd be great. Maybe kind of like the gamsat. <laughs> yeah, uh, we'll we'll post something on our Facebook page about it. Um, yeah. In sort of the lead up to, but maybe the Monday after or something. We'll let the people sitting in on the Saturday have a sleep and anyway. We'll work yeah. it out. Check it out on the Facebook page. We'll, we'll live stream it and it'll be on the podcast anyway. So you can always listen to it after the fact. Yeah. Um, what else? For this podcast, we'll also be having uh, applications, preferencing, GPA scores. Yeah. Even probably our interview stuff will dual post. We have another interview, dedicated medical interview podcast. Yeah. Um, but we'll be posting on both because we think the audiences uh, will be relevant to both. Um, so overall... Good luck from us. Um, Indeed. We'll be good. We'll keep on recording and yeah, it'll be good. No worries. Well, thanks for your time, Tom. Thanks everyone for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye for now.